If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Judges 12. We're, we're, jumping, we're jumping right in. I haven't preached in a couple of weeks, and i got 25 minutes. You better pray for me. You better pray for yourself. Judges, Judges 5, Judges 12, 5 through 7. It says, Jephthah captured the shallow crossing on the Jordan River, and whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him. Jephthah was, a, was one of the judges. This is in the time of the, the, the judges. This is, this is post-Moses and Joshua, but, but pre-Kings, when God would raise up judges to defend Israel against their enemies. But, but in this situation that we find that he's raising them up to deal with, 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 with a, a bit of a, a, a civil war. And it says that the, when, and whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him, are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim? Right, Because the, the defeated army is, is trying to escape. And they would ask them, are you from the, the tribe of Ephraim? And, and of course they would say, no, I'm not. And then he would tell them, then say, this, say the word Shibboleth, which is the title of the sermon tonight. Say the word Shibboleth. Now if he was from Ephraim, he would say Sibboleth because they, they couldn't do the SH. He couldn't say it. And then they would take them down to the shallow crossing where they would be killed. 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. It says Jephthah judged Israel for six years, and when he died, he was buried in one of the towns of, of, of Gilead. I, 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 I share that with you, with you tonight because the way we say certain things matters. It matters. Like for me, for example, there's a slide that's going to pop up. This is an ongoing conversation in my house with my wife. She says to me, hey, you're not saying that right. And I say, what, what do you mean? And she says, say, say that again? And I say, sure. And she says, well, that's not how you say that word. And I say, it's how I say that word. And everybody that I grew up with in Verina, in eastern Henrico County, that's how we say that word. And, and, and then Vanessa says, well, did you have people that you grew up with? Like she's thinking maybe just he never knew anybody that was named this, and that's why he can't say it. I said, no. I had tons of friends, and that was their name. And she says, well, how did they say their name? And I said, Cheryl. Yeah, because they were all from Verina, too. If there is ever some type of civil conflict in America, and for whatever reason, Verina is connected to it, and I have to get back home, and the way that I get back home is to have to say that word, I'm just, I'm going to fall on my sword right there on the spot. Because there is little hope that what's going to come out of my mouth is going to sound the way. How do you say that, Vanessa? Cheryl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or Cheryl, otherwise known as Cheryl. Spelled with an S-H and then all kinds of just syllables running together with a big L on the end. Yes. So, so this, is, this, is, this is my question for you tonight, right? Which is why we're talking about shibboleth. I can say that word. Where we're talking about that name. Let me ask you this question. When God listens to how I manage my money, am I mispronouncing Christian stewardship? Yeah. Be because our words aren't the only thing that have a voice. 
right? Our actions have a voice. The, the way we live our lives, it, it says something, right? Elijah Tatum was saying something by wearing that Dallas Cowboys jersey in the video announcements today. Yeah. We call that cursing here at City Life Church. I was like, go Elijah, right? His first video announcements. Who in the editing room allowed that wardrobe to pass through, right? He, he was, I think he was saying something to me, right? Our, our actions have a voice. When God listens to how I manage my money, am I mispronouncing Christian stewardship? We're, gonna, we're, we're doing a little mini-series. It's stretched out a little bit because of, like, revives coming up. and it's, So it's going to be broken out into three weeks that are not necessarily back-to-back. But we usually do a little something on stewardship in this time of year that brings us out of the business meeting. And so tonight is kind of launching that. I'm entitled this mini-series, A Sacred Sacrifice, because I believe these two words are at the heart of what Christian stewardship is about. And those two words are sacred and sacrifice. I, I think there's a misperception, right, in the Christian community, that if I am a Christian and that I am financially responsible, then I'm practicing Christian stewardship. Let me say that again. If I am a Christian and I'm financially responsible with my money, then I am practicing Christian stewardship. And what I would say to you is maybe not. Maybe not. Because Christian stewardship is more than just being financially responsible with your resources. It's how you're using some of those resources that sets it apart. There, there are a lot of people who are not devoted followers of Christ who are financially responsible with their money, but they're not necessarily practicing Christian stewardship. S something else has to be present. And, and I believe what needs to be present are these two sentiments, is sacrifice and sacred. Sacred and sacrifice. Consider this. Am I giving sacrificially to the sacred work of building Jesus' church? A am I giving sacrificially to the sacred work of building Jesus' church, because this is what I believe. You, you're going to have to make your own decisions, right, through this series. This is what I'm telling you. This is what I, I believe for myself. Because if I am not giving sacrificially to the sacred work of building Jesus' church, then I am mispronouncing Christian stewardship by the way I'm managing my money. Right? Our, word, our actions have a voice. And when God is listening to the way in which I'm managing my household finances, if, if I believe that I am practicing Christian stewardship, if I am pronouncing Christian stewardship through the way that I manage my resources, my, my question is, is there a part of your budget? If, is there a part of your plan? Is one of your goals to be able to give sacrificially to the sacred work of building Jesus' church? So let's talk a little bit about sacred. In, in Matthew chapter 16, we find what's called one of Jesus' great declarative statements. It, it's one of the moments where Jesus says, I want you to know why I came, right? It's, it's not commentary about Jesus' life. It's not people drawing an inference from other things that he said. It's Jesus himself in his own voice saying, I want you to understand one of the reasons why I'm here. And, and he says in this moment in Matthew chapter 16, he, he says, I've come to build my church 
and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus himself is saying, part of my purpose here is to birth something. It's to create something that's going to stand through time. It's going to begin with us, and it's going to continue on for generations to come. It's sacred because it's part of his mission. But that's not the only reason why it's sacred. Let's look at some of these. One of the reasons why I believe that church is sacred is because that the gospel is preached through the church. Right? For us, we define this gospel as this one simple sentence, I am at one with God, rescued from myself, just as if I'm perfect because Jesus paid it all. We want every person to be able to make that statement. We want every person to be able to say those words. We want to be a church that when people come, that they're coming into an understanding and a revelation of their need for a Savior, and that that statement isn't just going to be some theological phrase that they speak, but it's going to be something that is personal for them, that they can say, no, I, I am at one with God, that I've been rescued from myself. Just as if I've never done anything wrong, just as if I were perfect, that's how God now has accepted me. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. Because Jesus took upon himself what I deserved. The church is a sacred place because the gospel is preached. The church is a sacred place because discipleship happens here. We don't want to just be a church that helps people grasp the understanding and the meaningfulness of the gospel, which brings us into right the great satisfaction of our soul that hungers and longs to know God and to be known by him. No, we, we want that to be the birth of something. It's like when your child is born, no, no, that, as incredible of an, as an event that is, it is the beginning. So too it must be when we are born again and born into the family of God. It's supposed to be the beginning of something that we would then begin to grow and mature. And we practice that through our church here at City Life. Different churches have different ways that they come at discipleship. Some people call it spiritual formation. But at the end of the day, it's us becoming like the Jesus that we follow. So we talk about his beliefs, his character, his obedience, and his peace. Those are the four things, how we break it down here at City Life. To go on a lifelong journey... Ten years from now, when I'm even much older than I am today, still calling every friend I know with that name Cheryl, I want to look more like Jesus then than I do now. Right? I want to, I want to keep growing. I want to keep maturing. I want to keep becoming like Christ. One day when I breathe my last, I don't want to look back over the last few years of my life and I've just put it on cruise control. I want to keep growing. I want to be a part of a church that challenges me to keep growing. Accepts me for who I am. You with me? But says, hey, let's not stay there. Discipleship happens. The church is a sacred place because hope is found. For many of you, when you found City Life Church years ago, you, you came because you were in a dark place. You, 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 you came and despair was the, if there was a word that was written over your life, that was despair. But being in a community of people that had the hope that we shared in Christ, that all of a sudden despair began to be displaced and hope took its place. Because you began to understand and discover the many great promises of God. Your situation didn't necessarily change, but somebody stepped into your situation Jesus and his family 
came to your rescue and hope was found. Freedom is grasped. Come on. I don't know about you, but when I came into my own sense of being a devoted follower of Christ in December of 1990, I was a young adult. I was 23 years old, and I dragged into church so many things that had a grip on me, so many things that I was enslaved to, so much sin that was so intertwined with my life. I was just dragging it along the way. And then the years that it took for that to get detangled and for me to begin to experience freedom and the liberty that I began to discover. And for some of you, that's been your journey. For some of you, that's your journey now. You've come and you're, you're, there's still an entanglement that you carry with the world and with your past. And, and how many of you know Jesus says, hey, I can set you free from all of those things for some of those, we, we just come undone immediately. I can think about things in my life that just changed overnight, but then there were other things that just, it took time. There is freedom that is grasped. The church is a sacred place. But the church is a sacred place, first and foremost, I think, because legacy is a value in church. It means that we're not just in it for ourselves, we're in it for them. We're in it for them. Was studying today just in, 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 in Numbers 14 and how struck I was that, that when the 12 spies were sent out and they were on a 40-day journey and when they came back, right, 10 of the spies as they were exploring the promised land said, we're never going to make it, we're all going to die, right? They gave a negative report and, and how that broke God's heart because he had done so much to show that he was going to help them to overcome. And it was only two, Joshua and Caleb had said, no, come on, we can do it. We can do it. And it was in that moment that God said that no one from this generation, no one from this generation except for Caleb and Joshua are going to see the promised land. You're going to now wonder. It says for one year for every day of that bad report, right? There were 40 days on that journey. He said you're going to wander in this wilderness for 40 years and that everybody's going to perish. You know what struck, strikes me when, every time I read that? Is that those people didn't say, well, then I'm out. I'm leaving. They were willing to wander in that wilderness. They didn't always do a good job, admittedly. But they hung in there, even though they knew they weren't going to make it, because they knew their children would. They knew in advance. God says, we can't have it. They, they left Egypt with this great expectation of we're going to enter into a land flowing with milk and honey. And even when they knew, God said, it will not be yours. They stayed to the task because they wanted their children to have what they had lost. Will you be in it for the next generation? Will you be in it for the next generation? Think about this great gift of this building to us as a church in 2019 when this property, this facility was gifted to us, the people that labored, a, a different church, a church that wasn't even connected to us. We were just renting from them, coming to their end, but wanting the sacred work of 311 Selden Road to continue past that deed, the passing of a sacred baton. Now it's passed to us, and we have a responsibility to make sure that one day we're going to keep passing it on to generations that are to come. It's a sacred work. But this sacred work requires and demands a sacrifice. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, these notes are always online. You can download them. But Paul here 
is, is, is talking and he's challenging a church to step up to meet this need. And, and as you read through the epistles, what you find is that this was commonplace, that people in the first century who were devoted followers of Christ had a church that they called home. Maybe even not connect those dots before, but much of the New Testament exists because there were churches. The book of Ephesians is because Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus. The book of Philippians exists because Paul was writing to the church of Philippi. And the reason why there was a church there is because there were Christians who were gathered there and they, and they had a, a church that they called home. We should all have a church that we call home. A place that we go to to experience all those sacred things that we just talked about. But part of what we see Paul here challenging them to is that if you have a church that you call home, it should be a place that you give to and through. You give to that church, but you give through that church. In fact, I would say we can't read the New Testament and not see that people gave sacrificially to and through the church that they called home. So in this mini-series on stewardship, we're challenging, if you call City Life Church your home, that there's going to be a commitment that is in your heart. I want to give to and through this church because I believe it's sacred and it's worthy of a sacrifice. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me show you. This is, this, is, this is what we do as a family. I'm not showing you numbers, but I'm going to show you concepts and, and percentages. And, and this is what we teach here at City Life. And, and, I, and, and, we, and this might be new for you. And so we're saying, you, you take this and you pray and, 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 and you see what God's going to say to you. But regardless of what a sacred sacrifice looks to you, it should still be a sacred sacrifice. Are you with me? For all of us, if we have a church that we call home, what we're giving to and through the church that we call home, whatever that looks like for you, it should still feel like a sacred sacrifice. And so for, for, for us as a family, we, we have a monthly tithe. Now for us, that's a percentage. We believe that 10% of our gross annual income, we give that to the church. You might say, well, Fred, you're excited about that because you're a pastor. I would say that's fair. But one of the things that I love about my story is that before I was in pastoral ministry, this year marks 25 years of pastoral ministry for me, but I'm really old, but I'm really old. So I had 10, I had 10 years where I sat where you sit. And, and I was just excited about the biblical principle of tithing then as I am today. Because I don't believe it's connected to my office. It's not connected to my role. It's, it's connected to who I am as a Christian. Because I believe that every Christian is supposed to give to and through the church that they call home. So for us as a family, it's 10% of our gross annual income. Then we, then we make what we call a monthly missions commitment. For us as a family, that's another 2%. We say every year, every month, we're, we're going to give, on top of that, give directly to missions. And giving to missions here, all of that money goes through the church. You with me? And that's why we say let's give to and through the church that we call home. So that's another 2% for us that we give every month to missions. And then we make an annual missions pledge. Now, that's not budgeted. That's by faith. We used to call that faith promise. We, we call it an annual missions pledge because we realize people that are, are not from church, sometimes our language gets churchy, right? And so we say, hey, make a, an annual missions pledge. It's a number that you feel like God's going to give to you in prayer, and then you're going to believe by faith he's going to provide it. And then when he does, you give it, that you give it. When you attach yourself to something, 
that God is excited about. This is what you will find, that God will flow resources to it through you. When you attach yourself to something that God is excited about, that you will find in your life, your experience, we have found it throughout our whole Christian life, that he will flow resources to it through you. An annual missions pledge, we ask that you would make that. And then those three are always going to be a part of our journey together here at City Life Church. But for the next six months, we're adding a fourth one, and we're calling it a legacy offering. Right? There, there are some things that we want to do to this building that we need to do to this building, not, not just for us, but for the next generation. We, we tell people, God gave us this building debt-free. He did not give us this building expense-free. And when he gave it to us, I think he gave it to us knowing that he was going to always bring the people here who were going to have a heart and a passion to care for it. And so our goal over these next six months is to raise $40,000. Now, are we going to spend $40,000? No, we're going to spend $130,000. But, but, but we have cash reserves, building fund, right? Because we do our finances. We're, we're, we, 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 are, we, we are conservative in how we spend money here. And when this building came to us, we knew that we had to create a budget where we were going to be prepared to do some things. So we have money, we're going to do some things, but then we're asking you to help pay part of that too. What's exciting is that two of the other partner churches here are also going to participate. One of the projects that we're going to do, 130000 total is what we're going to spend. One of the projects we want to do is that we need to up, update the projection in this sanctuary. It works great for us when it's dark like this, but in the daytime, it gets really washed out. And so it's a $30,000 project to get the projector that we need to have in a space like this on this front truss that's going to help to also serve the churches. There are two churches that meet in here on Sunday. And we're going to split that three ways. They don't have to do that. Right? I, I share that need with them. And, and I said, would you consider dividing that by three? We'll kick in 10 and each of you kick in 10. Within a matter of days, they said, we would love to be a part of that. Renting, not even required, right? to give that kind of money, but the generosity that is happening, right, is inspiring. So there's the $30,000 project. I wanted to, but the governance team wouldn't let me. I wanted to crank the heat up to about 95 in here today. I said, let me just put, let me just crank this heat up, right? Because the, 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 the air conditioning system that is servicing this space is tired, it operates off of a cooling tower. You don't even know what that is. That's how old it is. That's how old it, that's how old it is. That, that's, a, that's an $80,000 project. And, and that's with some of us with, with some sweat equity in, involved to save some money there, right? But it needs to be done. Again, not just for us, but for the next generation. That work is going to begin this spring. There's a, this, this, this uh, wheelchair access entry over here needs to be replaced. It needs to be refurbished. This is an important part of us. That's a $10,000 project. And then we want to do a facelift on the chapel for the kids for workshop, for RC on Wednesdays. There's a church that meets in there on Sunday. And that, that needs some attention. That's another $10,000. So it's, it's $130,000 project. We're saying, would you join us in just replenishing some of those cash reserves, right? Most of the money that we're going to use, this is important, right? We're, we're, we're given years ago that we've just been sitting on and saving. You with me? 
And, and so that money is here because other people gave. And we're saying, will, will you give now to make sure that the money is here in the future as we need it? How are you pronouncing Christian stewardship by the way that you are managing your household finances? Because our actions have a voice. How are you pronouncing Christian stewardship by the way you're managing your household finances? Am I giving sacrificially to the sacred work of Jesus' church? Am I giving sacrificially to the sacred work of Jesus' church? Stand with me. Shibboleth. It makes you nervous when I pause on the SH, doesn't it? I know, it does. Hannah's like, oh, dear Lord. What is it? Shibboleth. Yeah. You're right. Here it comes. Sh- Cheryl. Hey, hey. All right. That will be the very last time that you hear me say that word. No. Our actions have a voice. You with me? And Christian stewardship is something that we're called to as devoted followers of Christ. And, 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 and when God is listening to me and our household and our, and our family and the way we pronounce that through the actions that ensue, the things that we do, I want it to always sound just right to him, just right to him. So, Father, may our hearts be captivated by the privilege that we have to be a part of this sacred work, Jesus, that you birthed. Come on, 2,000 years ago. May it be that we stand in this sacred space humbled, humbled, that generation after generation after generation after generation for 2,000 years that they have given sacrificially to the sacred work, Jesus, of the church that you're building, that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. May it be that you would find this generation faithful. Not, not just that we would be faithful to do it, but we, but we would be faithful in our example. That when the next generation the children that that are here in this building, the children that are watching online, the children that are within the sound of my voice, the generation of children that have not even yet been born into this church, we we don't want to just give them something that they can have, but we want to pass on to them a vision that will capture their heart as well. Not just to receive a great gift from us that is tangible, but to receive a great vision from us that inspires them to do it again and again and again. That Jesus, if you would not return yet for another 2,000 years, whatever it's named, wherever it's meeting, whatever it looks like, that there's a church that traces its heritage back to the City Life Church because we were willing to give sacrificially to the sacred work, Jesus, of building your house And in your name we pray, come on, and everybody said, amen.